Let's thank God for that grace that was released unto us through which we have been saved. For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is not work, lest any man should boast. It is a free gift from God. I want you to just appreciate God for that grace this morning. It is grace that bathes you into his kingdom. It is grace that will sustain you in his kingdom. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful. We are thanking you this morning for your grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that bathed us into your kingdom. And we thank you because that grace is sufficient to see us through. For God is able to make abounds towards us all grace so that having sufficiency in all things we may abound to give unto every good work. We thank you for the abundance of your grace this morning touching every situation. Thank you for the abundance of your grace this morning that is sufficient for every situation. Thank you for the abundance of, you, of, of your grace this morning that is making the impossible possible. We thank you for that grace is here today. And every man and every woman is receiving grace upon grace to the glory and to the praise of your holy name. As we pray in Jesus' name. And the church will say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's be seated. Let's be seated. Quickly this morning, we're going to um, kind of have a recap. Um, and we have the concluding part of the message we have uh, been discussing last week. We were talking last week about the topic we titled, Because of, because of, because of, because of, help those that forgot. Because of, because of his great love. Because of his great love. And the, the premise upon which we are discussing this is to help reassure us and help us to establish our confidence in God. Because oftentimes when we hear promises, covenants, all the kind of things that we say God is going to do for this year, we're going to trust God and believe in God that we are a success. Say, I am a success. And tendency, you know, for human beings, because we have seen so many disappointments, and because there have been so many years' resolutions that never come to fruition, you know, we, we kind of move into the routine of thinking where, yeah, I had you. I had you, but we, 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 we're not saying we didn't believe it, but we're saying in our heart, but well, we trusted last year, nothing happened. You feel me? Are you with me? And so what we're trying to reestablish is our confidence in God because whatsoever God has determined to do in my life, in your life, is not because of you. It's not because of me. It is solely because of his love, his great love. Amen? And because when we are able to reestablish that and we have our mind focused on that and we have the epiphany behind that great love of God, we have no iota of doubt left in us. Amen? 
And so this morning, we are going to continue in that conversation. Last week, we talked about the, there are several, or well, let's say we cut it down to three. Three components that makes the love of God uh, so great. And we established that saying the love of God is great, as defined in Ephesians chapter 2, you have to understand that there is nothing greater than it. Okay? There is nothing greater than it. Because the Bible says, greater love has no one than this. Okay? There is nothing greater. So it's second to none. Because English, if we're, if we're tied down to English phonetics, we may be thinking, well, how about greatest? Okay? So when he says the love of God is great, it means nothing is greater than it. Because it is greater and greater and greater than anything else in the world. Amen? So everything that God is going to do in our life is contingent upon that love. Our salvation is contingent upon that love. The reason why you and I are here today, if you're born again, is because of the great love of God. It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you were righteous. It wasn't because you were a saint. No. It was simply because of his great love wherewith he has loved us. Amen? And so we want to try and reestablish that so that we can begin to live our life from that premise. Amen? So we mentioned three things that we're going to look at. We're able to do one last Sunday that there are three components you will see in the love of God that is making it so great. It is the distinguishing factor. And we said the first one is what? Mercy. Riches in mercy. That the love of God is so rich in mercy. And that's why it is great. It is rich in mercy. It has an unlimited mercy. To translate it in a simpler version. It has unlimited mercy. The mercy in the love of God is inexhaustible. You cannot sin enough to exhaust the mercy in the, in, in, the, in the love of God. That's why he said, there is no one that comes to me that will in no wise cast away. It is, it is just impossible to exhaust the mercy that is contained in the love that God has towards us. Amen? And we reestablish, going back from the beginning, that God in his intention when he established the law never intended for the law to destroy us. It was never the intention of God for the law to destroy us. Because when we went back to look at the tabernacle and we look at the ark, the ark of God, the ark that God designed from the beginning, God strategic, I mean, strategically showed us that mercy is above judgment. Because the ark was having the law inside of it. And God demanded in his design, he told Moses that mercy seat should be above. It should be the lead. It should be the covering of the ark of covenant. Okay? And if you read your Bible very well, in James chapter 2, the Bible reestablished, it said, mercy prevails over judgment. It means that God is more interested in mercy than judgment. 
Judgment is the addendum, not mercy. Judgment is the last resort. Mercy is what God designed from the beginning. And we said last week that the way God designed mercy, you see that everyone that has established and established that connection, that has the epiphany between I mean, behind the love of God, being so rich in mercy, will never bow their head. They will never bow their head to circumstances. Why? Because when you are looking at mercy, you always look up. Your head will always be up. Those who are looking at the law, because the law is inside the ark, they have to bow their head. When Christians bow their head in defeat, it's because they are looking at the law. When we look at the law, we bow our head in defeat. Because there's no man that can ever fulfill the law. But when we look at mercy, we lift up our eyes because we know that the love of God is so rich in mercy, we cannot exhaust it. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so we're going to look at the second portion of the second um, key that we find in the love of God. Why is the love, love of God so great? Because it is rich in mercy and because it is rich in grace. Amen? The second key that we have to burn into our heart is that the love of God is rich in grace. It's so rich in grace that, again, you cannot exhaust it. God cannot say, I'm tired of giving you grace. And say, I'm no longer giving you grace. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. It is impossible. Why? Because it is rich. God is so rich in grace. And his love towards us has that as part of his king. Amen? And what, what is love? Just as mercy Mercy, let me try and see if I can phrase this right. What do mercy, what does mercy do for us? Mercy helps us, as it is defined in James, to avert judgment. Mercy saves us from judgment. Mercy is the replacement of judgment. We are due for judgment, but God replaced it with mercy. Now, as we demonstrated, or the Bible demonstrated, I should say, we didn't do nothing. We have to be careful the way we, we did nothing. So the Bible demonstrated for us in the book of Esther, the love between King Azros and Esther was a very good example Wherein, even though King Esther walked into the court out of order, he, she violated the protocol. But she was counting on the mercy in the love the husband has for her. And we saw in that picture that mercy, instead of judgment, because the law says, Whoever comes into the king's palace uninvited 
is punishable by death. So instead of death, mercy says no. I love that song, mercy says no. Mercy says no. Instead of judgment, instead of taking Esther to be killed, mercy says no. Because the king lifted up the scepter of mercy. And the law also says mercy prevails over judgment. So immediately, instead of judgment, mercy was a portion of Esther. And the king says, what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, you just name it. That's what mercy would do for us. And that's the way the love of God is designed. Amen? So grace, on the other hand, is supposed to give us salvation. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, I believe, it says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. The grace of God that brings salvation, meaning grace brings salvation. And the Bible says that the love of God is so rich in grace. So that means at every point in time, the love of God towards me is always ready to extend salvation towards me. When I'm in trouble, he is always ready to produce salvation. You need salvation every time you are in trouble. You need it to be saved from something. Just like we are saved from our sin. Every time when you are in trouble at your job, you are in trouble at home, you are in trouble every... You need what? Salvation. How do you get it? Through grace. And that grace is embedded in the love of God. Amen? So it says that God's love is rich in grace. Let's go back to the book of Ephesians chapter 12 to remind us that... um, Ephesians chapter 2, I meant to say. Ephesians chapter 2, let's read it over again so we can, uh, we can begin to flow. I'm going to run quickly um, through grace and then kindness. Then we go to the second part. What does this, the riches, the riches in this grace, I mean, in this law, what does it do for us? What does it mean to me? What exactly do I gain from this? Amen? I mean, that's, that's, that's where we're going. Ephesians chapter 2. If you begin to read again from verse number four, it said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace he has saved, and had raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. That his grace, I mean, that in the ages to come, he might shield the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Amen? So again, we see that that love is rich in grace. Amen? 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 9, if you have time, you can read that. But if you look at verse 9 only, it's a story of um, our friend, right? They were so familiar with um, Paul. In verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, uh, if you read verse 1 through 9, um, Paul mentions so many things, you know, he has done and how that he was struggling and all that he had from God in verse 9 was, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, here is Paul going through some stuff, having some trouble in his flesh, and was praying to God to remove it. And the Bible says, Paul is now reiterating, God said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. There is sufficiency in God's grace for every circumstance that we may face in our lives. I'm going to say that again. There is sufficiency in God's grace for every circumstance we may be faced with in our lifetime. Amen? But we need to understand that it is there. We need to believe it. We need to know it. Amen? Let me ask you a question. How many of you played the lottery? Don't raise your hand. Assuming you won that 1.5 billion, but unfortunately, you did not know. You kept the receipt or whatever it is you get, the, uh, is a ticket or you kept whatever it is somewhere, but you did not know you won. And here you are, you are having close to half a billion dollars, right? But you don't know you have it. And uh, let's assume you got home and your AC packed off, stopped working. And the repairman came and said, well, it's going to cost you $1,000. Do you know how bad you will feel? Because now you're going to have to cough out $1,000 out of the money you don't have. Because you don't really have money. Why? Even though you've won the lottery, you are oblivious of it. You didn't know you were a millionaire. And so, a billionaire, and so a $1,000 problem is making you shake. It's making your eyes so wrinkled. Your countenance is so wrinkled. You are so moody all over the house. Why? Because you are oblivious of how rich you are. That you are a billionaire. Let's flip the coin. Assuming you knew that you already won the billion. What do you think will happen to your countenance when the repairman told you it's going to cost a thousand dollars? I guarantee I'm going to tell the repairman, yank that old one out. I need a brand new one. I don't have to repair this. You see, my countenance will change. My reaction will change. My behavior will change. It's going to affect everything in me. Why? Because I know how rich I am. When I know how rich I am, 
in grace. You see, my reaction to circumstances will change. The way I face situation is going to change. Why? Because I know I cannot exhaust the grace of God that I have in his love enough. And this particular issue I'm faced with is just a thousand dollars. I have a billion dollars. Why will I be defaced just because of a thousand dollars problem when I have a billion dollars? You see, because of our ignorance, not understanding what is contained in that love that God has for us, we go about with a wrong attitude. You see, the moment I had the epiphany, my steps changed. I walked differently because I know what I have. I know how rich I am now. I know that it doesn't matter what the devil is saying. I have unlimited mercy in the love of God. I have unlimited grace in the love of God. So I can boldly say and agree with the scripture that says I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It changes the paradigm. It changes everything. The moment I come to that understanding. Amen? Amen. John chapter 1 verse 14, you can see there. In, 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 um, if you read John chapter 1, um, I think that's just verse 16. I will zero in verse 16. It says, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Some version says grace upon grace. It cannot finish. It is inexhaustible. It doesn't matter how many times you come to the throne of mercy, you're going to find grace. That's why he said, let us come boldly to the throne of mercy so that we may find grace and help in times of trouble. You can come over and over and over again. It's like an ocean. It cannot run dry. That's how much riches we're talking about here. Again, the second point is, God's love is so rich in grace that once we understand that, then we know we can do all things. We know we can face all circumstances. We know we can face all situations. Why? We have an unlimited grace in the love wherewith God has loved us. Are you with me so far? The third one is, God's love is rich in kindness. And kindness is one thing that I've not had so many sermon on. I've not had so many preaching about kindness. There are a lot of Christians that are so unkind. I'm sorry to say, I'm telling you the truth. It is not because they wanted to, it is because they do not understand how much kindness they have. You see, there is enough, there is how, there's just how long or how much you can bear with people. It's just the same way, like I use the example of money, because we can all relate with money. Assuming I have a friend who is always coming to me to ask for some change. Can I get $10? Can I get 100 bucks? Can I get 200 bucks? Can I get 1,000 bucks? Right? I'm a salary earner. Okay? And uh, as often as you keep coming, I may endure for a while. After a while, because I have unlimited fund, 
Unlimited in the sense that I know how much I earn as a seller. See, my countenance is going to change at some point. My response to my friend is going to change at some point. Right? But flip that over if I'm a billionaire. If I'm a billionaire, you see, it doesn't matter how many times this guy comes to ask for money. It's so easy. Why? Because I have abundance. I can always dole out to him. Amen? It is in the same manner that if we know how rich the kindness of God, the love in the kindness of God is, you know that God will always be kind towards you. It doesn't matter how many times you come. It doesn't matter how many times you need his kindness. He is always going to be kind towards you. Why? Because he's rich in kindness. His kindness cannot be exhausted. So you can never go to God and he will not be kind to you. Amen? Amen. He will always be kind towards us. Why? Because his love is rich in kindness. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, Matthew 5, 45 says, towards the latter part, it says, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. That's how rich God is in kindness. Because of the riches of his kindness, He's not a racist. Yes. It doesn't matter who you are. He makes his reign to reign over the just and the unjust. His sun is shining and both just and unjust will receive out of the kindness of God. Amen? I want to pay attention to this because we are going somewhere with this. This is embedded these are the things that are in God's love. These are the things that are contained in God's love. Those three things. Most of the times if you look at the Bible, you see they're always mentioned together. It's almost as if they're inseparable. Amen? Just do your research. You see that most times when God is talking about mercy, kindness is mentioned or grace is mentioned. When he's talking about grace, mercy is mentioned or kindness is mentioned. It's almost as if they are inseparable. And they are inseparable. Why? Because they are components of one thing. God's love. God's love. What does that mean? There's no way you will find mercy and you will not find grace. There's no way you will find grace that you will not find kindness. It is impossible because mercy and grace and kindness, they are co-joined in the love of God. Are you with me so far? Let's look at Jonah, the book of Jonah chapter 4. Jonah 4, let's see, 1. Uh, not sure how I'm doing it with time. Are we there? Jonah chapter 4, 1 and 2. If you're there before me,
It says in uh, let's see if I can jump. Okay, let's let's read from yeah, verse two. Verse two. Go to verse two. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, not this my saying. Uh, is that where I'm going? Yeah. I pray thee, O Lord, was, was not this my saying, when I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew. Okay. See what Jonah knew. I knew. That thou art a gracious God. I knew it. And merciful. I knew it. Slow to anger and of great kindness. That was the reason Jonah fled to Tarshish. When God said, go to Nineveh and tell them I'm going to destroy them. Say, uh, Jonah knew, Lord, I know. You're not going to destroy them. You're going to make a lie out of me at the end of the day. Because I will go there now and preach to them, and as soon as they repent, you're going to change your mind. Why? Because you are a gracious God. Because you are a merciful God. Because you are of great kindness. I pray that in the name of Jesus, that this epiphany will be registered in your heart. That you will be able to say like Jonah said, I knew. I knew you are a gracious God. I knew you are a merciful God. I knew you have great kindness. See, that's all we need to know. If you forget every rant I make in this message, if you can remember this and allow it to register in your heart, wherein you believe it, you know that this is who God is. This is the love of God for you that you can boldly say anytime, any day, that I knew you are a gracious God. You are a merciful God. And you are great in kindness. That's all he knew. Amen? So you see that every time grace is mentioned, kindness and mercy is always around. When mercy is mentioned, grace is always around or kindness is always around. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to move forward. You can read Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. If you have time, and Joel, Joel 2.13 is also um, a good reference. Joel 2.13. So the love of God is rich in mercy, it's rich in grace, and it's rich in kindness. And those are the three components that are contained in the love of God that makes it so great. That's why he said in that efficient but God, who is rich in mercy, with, but for his great love, or because of his great love, wherewith he has loved us. Okay? Those three things, they are contained in the love of God. Before I move forward to the second part, I want you to begin to think as we're moving forward to the second part now. Remember, it was clearly stated in the scriptures that I think every one of us, we agree, and I think every one of us um, believe that, that the love of God 
has been shared abroad in our heart. Is that correct? Is that true? The love of God has been shared abroad in our heart. The love of God that we have just defined, that great love that we are trying to understand, the Bible is saying it has been shared abroad in our heart. So that means when I say I love you, the love of God that is in my heart, what I'm saying in essence is that I have unlimited mercy towards you. I have unlimited grace for you. And I have unlimited kindness towards you. If the scripture is true. And it is because the love of God that is shared in my heart has unlimited mercy, it has unlimited grace, and it has unlimited kindness. So if that love is shared abroad in my heart, when I say I love you, what I am saying is that I have unlimited mercy towards you. I have unlimited grace for you. I have unlimited kindness for you. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this right now is I want you to begin to think about the loves in your life. Those you love. Is that true? Is that true? Those you love as of today. Is that statement true? Do you have unlimited mercy towards them? Do you have unlimited grace for them? Do you have unlimited kindness for them? How long does it take those you love to exhaust your mercy? How long does it take those you love as of today to exasperate and exhaust your grace. How long does it take? How many offense does it take for them to exhaust all the kindness you have for them? The love of God has been shared abroad in our heart. And that love of God, the Bible says, has unlimited mercy. It has unlimited grace. It has unlimited kindness. See, the reason why this is critical is in 2016, any man or woman who will walk in the love of God, who will consciously conduct himself or herself in this understanding of the love of God, full of riches in mercy, full of riches in grace, full of riches in kindness, I guarantee you, you are not going to be successful. You are a success. It is a done deal. Hallelujah. You need to continue to ask that question now because the Holy Spirit is going to begin to do a work in your heart. Right now. How rich is my mercy towards those that I claim I love? How rich 
is my grace towards them. Have they exhausted it? How rich is my kindness towards them? Have I shut the tap that is supposed to be running kindness or running grace or running mercy towards those that are love of my life? Amen? Part two talks about what this does for me and you. The riches in the mercy, the riches in the grace, and the riches in the kindness of God, of the love of God, the greatness of the love of God, what does it, what does it mean to me? What does it give to us? Amen? Say, but God who is rich in mercy, back to Ephesians chapter 2, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, Wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, had quickened us together. Number one point. The greatness in the love of God, because it has riches unlimited in mercy, because it is rich in mercy, because it is rich in grace, because it is rich in kindness, that great love of God, the first thing it has done for us, what it gives me, is life. It quickened me. I was dead. Now I have life. When I embrace this love of God that we're talking about, the very first thing that is done is life is transferred onto the deadness of my life. So, when we were dead, he quickened us together. The day Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, that was the day you resurrected. It may not come to fruition until you come to embrace Jesus, but that was the day it was done. That was the day it was done. Every deadness in our lives, everything that is dead concerning our lives, that was the day he was resurrected. He quickened us together with Christ. Amen? That's the first thing you need to know. That the life of God was transferred to you by the reason of the greatness in his love. The same day, life was transferred to the dead body in the grave. That dead body of Jesus. Number two, back to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, we're still reading. He said, had quickened us together. You see, it is not in isolation. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't an addendum. God planned it all together. It was done. It's not going to be done. No, it was done. Amen? And the second thing you will see in that same Scripture is, he raised us up together. Last week when we, were reading, when, we, when we were reading this, I told us to be cognizant of us and together. Okay? The second thing is that he raised us up. The same way Jesus was lifted up or raised up, that same hour and that same moment, Everything that has to do with our promotion, with our lifting up, 
with our raising up, it was completed that day. It was that same day that we were raised up. We were raised up from a low position to a high position. We were raised up from the grave unto the most high God altitude. We were raised up together with him. So I cannot be low. I cannot be trampled upon. I cannot be the tail because I understand that I was raised up together with him. You see, this is the revelation that will drive us in 2016. If I am discontent with where I am at my job, it's not because of my boss. See, we're fighting the wrong battle. It's not because of that person or that sister or that brother. No, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It is ignorance. It has to do with ignorance. Because it is impossible for death to hold Jesus back in the grave. It is impossible. Death cannot hold him back in the grave. It has to be. He must be raised. He must be lifted up. There's no way any man created on earth, born of woman, or through any other means, can hold you down. It is impossible. If I know what I should know, again, think about the billion-dollar you know, situation. If I don't know, I don't know. I'm just going to be languishing in death, you know, languishing in poverty, even though I have a billion dollars. But wisdom is saying to us that I cannot be on the low radar. That's why God said, you shall be the head and not the tail. Okay? That's why he said that. Because you have been lifted up. You have been raised. You have been promoted. You have been catapulted. The same day Jesus was raised. Amen? Nothing can hold you down. In the name of Jesus. Nothing can hold you down. In the name of Jesus. He said we have been raised up together with Christ. Number three. Um, where are we? Number four. Number three. Okay. Um, I think I skipped one. Sorry, number two is God lo God's love made us children of God. We skip that. Um, so that's the second. Number three is raised up. Made us children of God. The moment we received life, we became children of God. Whether you, you understand it or not, that's what happened. Okay? That's it. The day that the life of God entered into us, that's the day we became children of God. That greatness in his love automatically begats you into his household. You may not feel like it. You may not know it. But I'm saying to you, if you are born again, you are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter in the kingdom of God. And that's what God has done. It is embedded in that love. He made us his sons and his daughter. The moment... We receive that love. And the third one is that we are raised up together with Jesus. We can no longer be trampled upon. The fourth one, he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that. Back. Go back in, in Ephesians chapter 
um, 2. He said, In verses, and had raised us up together and made us sit together. Sit together. How is that possible? I'm here on earth. Yes. The same day that Jesus was translated and taken to heaven, now is now seated at the right hand of God. You were made to sit there also. You are in a position of authority. You are sitting right at the right hand of God the Most High. God has designed it to be so from the beginning, and that's why it was we were made to sit together. We were not brought there after Jesus got there. No, because I am in Jesus. And because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, I am seated at the right hand of God. I am sitting at the place of authority when I can say whatsoever I want to make happen and God is right there, Jesus is right there, it is an automation. It's got to be done. Again, I can win lottery if I couldn't find my ticket. If I don't know I'm a billionaire, I'm still going to be living in the hood. And I'm going to continue to struggle anytime there is a challenge. But he made us sit together in Christ Jesus in the heavenly place. That's where we are sitting. That's where we are. If we understand what the love, the greatness of the love of God has done for us. See, when I know I am sitting together with him. There is no way I will have any iota of doubt that I am a success. I don't have to struggle to believe anything God says because I am right there. Devil don't struggle to believe God's word. Do you know why? He was there from the beginning. He was an archangel. He knew everything God has said. He knew he's going to come to pass and that's why he's going to do everything to make sure you don't know it. That's all he's doing. That's all his job is to make you unaware, to make you ignorant. That's what the devil is doing. The devil has no power. He was stripped off of his power since before Jesus came. But all he's doing is to ensure you are oblivious of all that is yours. And then you crumble or you cringe. Jesus is, um, a devil said, call. And once I know, I am sitting in the place of authority. How then can I fret over the threat of Satan? Go back to the book of Esther. See, when everyone was in pandemonium, everyone, Mordecai said, if you don't do it, we are finished. Esther, knowing fully where the love that King Azrus has for her, out of many virgins, I mean, re- many, many, well decorated, makeup, make down, with all kind of stuff, King Azrus picked Esther. And Esther knew. There was something about the love. He knew the mercy inside that love. 
He knew the grace inside that love. He knew the kindness inside that love. He said, you know what? I am going to dare the protocol. And I am going to walk into the palace. And if I perish, I perish. When we know where we are sitting, the position we are in Christ Jesus, right there in heavenly places, our approach will be different. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me round it up because I don't think I, I need to go into all this. I think the, the, the point is made. When Romans 5 says that the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us, this is what he is saying. The Holy Spirit brings this illumination. It brings this epiphany unto us that here is the love of God. He places it in our heart. And he's expecting for us to know it is there. He's expecting for us to spend what is in there. If God was the one giving me a billion dollars, do you think he wants that billion dollars to just be sitting down in my bank account and I should not? know? The reason he is giving me is because he wants me to utilize what is in there. The reason the love of God was shed abroad in our heart is because of the riches of the mercy inside there, the riches of the grace, the riches of the kindness that is in that, inside there. And because, look at, go back to Ephesians. Look at what the intention was. The intention of God in giving us this great love. Look at in verse 7, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. The reason why God packaged all of these things right from the beginning was that he knew today was going to come when we unravel this. He knew a day is going to come when someone will see this epiphany that what his desires are was that he wanted to demonstrate. We were supposed to be a showcase or a showroom for God wherein he is demonstrating on earth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. He is using us to demonstrate that on a daily basis, which means I am supposed to be walking in grace. I am supposed to be walking in mercy. I am supposed to be walking in the kindness of God as a display to the earth because that's what God designed and desired from the beginning. He wanted to show in ages to come, because this was done from before the foundation of the earth. And the plan of God was that in ages to come, he can begin to demonstrate, begin to display in our lives. Amen? Can we rise on our feet? God has done this. It's not like he's going to do it. We already have it. 
The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. We are coming to the understanding of what that love means, what it contains, and what it is meant to do. It is now time to walk in it. Like if you have won a million dollars, it is now time to spend it. It is time to begin to spend it. Begin to spend the mercy that is unlimited in 2016. Begin to display mercy and begin to display grace. It is unlimited. It cannot be usurped. Begin to display kindness. It is in you. It is already in you. Do we have that song? Do we have that song? Let's sing that song. Let's sing that song as we round up. Mercy said no. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you slip away. You don't have to be afraid. Mercy said no. See, we'll never take control. Darkness comes to steal my heart away. Thank you, Jesus. Mercy said no. Can we just bow our head and talk to God this, this hour? Can you just talk to God and appreciate him for the love that is in your heart? The love he has deposited there already. The love that he has shared in your heart. Can you begin to appreciate him for the inexhaustible mercy that is within your heart right now? The inexhaustible grace that is in your heart right now. The inexhaustible kindness that is in your heart right now. Can you first begin to appreciate God for it? Begin to appreciate God because it is right there. That mercy in your heart is unlimited. It cannot be exhausted. That grace that is in the love of God that is in your heart, it cannot be exhausted. That kindness, it cannot be exhausted. As you appreciate him this hour, can you begin to tell him how you're going to walk in it? How you're going to dispense it? How you're going to be generous about dispensing the unlimited mercy of God that is in your heart? How are you going to begin to dispense the unlimited grace of God that is in your heart? How are you going to begin to dispense the unlimited kindness of God that is in your heart? It is unlimited. There is no man on earth that can offend you enough to exalt the mercy that is in your heart. There is no man on earth that can offend you enough to exalt the grace that is in your heart. There is no man that can offend you enough to exalt the kindness of God in your heart. You have it. It is in abundance. Yes. If you tell God you're going to begin yes. to release it, it's going to activate it. It is already there. If you covenant between God and you right now, the Lord, yes. I appreciate yes. the inexhaustible mercy that you have placed in my heart. Yes. I appreciate the inexhaustible grace you have placed in my heart. And I appreciate the inexhaustible kindness you have placed in my heart. I am ready, Lord, yes. to dispense it. Yes. I am ready, Lord, to dispense it. Yes. And in this 2016, Verse. you're going to begin to see what you've never seen before. 
You're going to see the mighty hands of God and the power of God move in your behalf like you never seen before. Will you talk to God this hour? I want to begin to display. Dispense that which you have deposited in me. Unlimited mercy, unlimited grace, unlimited kindness. Yes. They are all there in your heart. It is given to you when the love of God was bestowed on your heart. If you make up your mind today and you walk out of this place without determination to begin to walk towards men within the spheres of your influence with an unlimited mercy in your heart, unlimited grace in your heart, and unlimited kindness in your heart, your heavens are already open. Nothing can hold you down. Nothing can stop you from reaching your goal because you are seated together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That's what it takes to sit with him, y'all. That's what it takes. It is that love it takes to sit with him. That's why he gave it to us. So we can stay there in that place of authority and begin to dispense mercy and begin to affect situation here on earth. It's all it takes. Once we sit there with him, the love of God is in our heart and is filled with mercy and filled with grace and kindness. Then we can sit there with him. That's the only thing that can keep you there in that position of authority. And that's what we need in 2016. We want to sit there. Talk to God. That's where you want to be. That's the place you want to sit. You don't want anything to take you out of there in 2016. In the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let you go.